right, so this is an episode I did with Carlos Puente Jr., who's a fighter who competes in the Combate organization. And the uh, reason I found out about him initially is because his cousin, uh, Jitzel Puente, was a, is a very, or was a very popular uh, news anchor in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is near where I live. And uh, she since has stayed and uh, is working for the uh, governor as a communications uh, person. So uh, she's pretty uh, well-known and uh, a uh, familiar face in Tulsa. You know, Tulsa's a fairly big city. I'd say it's kind of an in-between a big city and a small city. So uh, people that are on the news and whatnot or people that, uh, you know, uh, support the city in different roles are very recognizable, you know, in town. So that's kind of how I found out about Carlos and... Uh, he since this interview he he won his next fight in combate so he has a two fight win streak currently and uh thought he looked good he had uh he had good uh instincts and uh for a person who's had 15 fights or that was his 15th fight you can see that uh he's kind of having some natural responses to different situations and uh thought he looked real good so this is carlos puente jr check it out Well, it's good to finally get you on. You know, I was trying to get you on before, and uh, I appreciate you taking time to do this. Great to have you on. Thank you. And, uh, I like to let people who maybe, if there's people who aren't familiar with you, you can maybe introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah, for sure. <coughs> it was crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm Carlos Monday Jr. I'm a pro MMA fighter. I've been training for 10 years now. Um, at first, I started at True of MMA with, obviously, Cub Swanson. That was my first real coach. Um, and more recently, I moved to Orange County, and I'm with Classic Fight Team now. And, and who's over there? Uh, well, we got my coach, Tyler Wombles. We got people coming in, especially to hit pads with them. We got TJ Dillashaw. We've had Juan Archuleta. We've had um, Alex Perez was there today. Um, I know this guy. I don't know if this is his nickname, uh, but he goes by Yuma. He was there. I think he's in LFA. I want to say, but yeah, he was there today. Just we got a a lot of people, and of course, uh, shout out to my boy, Pac Man, fighting tomorrow, LFA. Make sure to tune into that. Now, when did you kind of first find MMA, or when did you start looking at it as maybe something you'd want to do? As a career, uh, probably at 23. So um, I always liked fighting. Um, I got into a lot of fights growing up, and. I, I like doing it, not that I like the, you know, like being a bully or anything like that. I just, when I was fighting and as soon as I got done, maybe just because I had some pretty good results, I was, I was stoked on it. I don't know, it was like fun. And then uh, my friends and I in high school would beat each other up with boxing gloves in the backyard. And uh, after I went to school, got all that done, tried to make my parents proud, I was like, all right, I'm going to do one thing for myself. And, and I chose MMA. And how many fights have you had so far? 12 pro, and I had three amateurs before that. And uh, do you know, like, when your next fight is going to happen? I know for sure, May 28. I got something in the books. Uh, I, I just gave all my info to their uh, matchmaker. And uh, so when that gets announced, I'll announce it as well. But, yeah, I'm looking at May 28. Um, and hopefully something in April. I've been, I've been bugging Combate, which I just fought for twice. Uh, I've been bugging their, their matchmaker a lot. So hit me back, Tony. Been hitting you up. You know, I want to get something in no. April for sure. Have you talked to Campbell McLaren at all? 
not Campbell, like, uh, on the phone. I did see him, like, personally, you know, out there when I was in Miami. Um, he had a good feeling about my fight. I feel like I put on a pretty good performance, so hopefully he remembers me. And I just got to get that win, so he really does. You know, I got to get in his head. Now, <clears throat> did you first start training when you found MMA, or were you doing, like, some other martial arts before? No, so when I started training, it was all together MMA. I mean, it was I, I was 23 already, which was 10 years ago, let's see, 2013. So MMA was like on the rise. It wasn't, you know, what it was back in the day. Like when I was a kid, I discovered uh, like UFC 1 on, on a VHS at Hollywood Video, you know, like I rented mm -hmm. that with, with my cousin, my family, and we just watched it because we were boxing fans, we were fighting fans. So we watched that. And so I was always aware of the UFC. And in 2013 um, is when I started to actually get myself into it, like start training. But yeah, I was—I I think I started watching almost like every single event, especially because it wasn't too many back then, uh, when Tito fought Shamrock the second time. Yeah. <laughs> Around then. And you kind of, how long had you been training before you were looking to have your first fight? I was trying to fight immediately, to be honest, but luckily my coaches held me back. Uh, I didn't actually end up uh, fighting until like, I want to say like two years, almost two and a half years after I started training with Cub. And you know what? Good, good thinking, you know, it, it, it went well. I won, but I broke my ulna right here. See that? <laughs> that was in the very first round of my very first amateur fight. Um, but I think that because we took our time because I was I was kind of just ready for anything like I was mentally prepared to go through that and still get the win now what was it like like starting out with Cub uh so I I knew of Cub just slightly you know just fights there wasn't too much like on fighters back in the day you know you, you had to like really dig that up maybe in like forums or something so uh, I'd seen him fight in the WEC. I knew he had the palm tree tattoo, SoCal, you know. Um, but other than that, like, I, ju I just knew it was a fighter from around the area where my parents had just moved to or where I was moving back to because I'd gone to school and then I moved back with them for a bit. Um, but, yeah, so uh, when I went to go train, I just knew it was a professional. And I think uh, uh, around then, too, the UFC was absorbing the WEC. So instead of just being like a WEC fighter, now it was a UFC fighter as well. And um, I think I was, I was around then for that movement. I was, I was like, I think I was surprised at how um, humble he was. Like he didn't, I don't know, we just kind of talked like, like people. And I think I expected something else. And uh, yeah, it was cool to just talk to him like a normal person. Day one. He's had a long, lot of longevity. Why do you think that is? Um, he pushes himself. I mean, well, first of all, Dang, there's so many reasons I feel like why. Um, he's a student of the game, first of all. Like, first and foremost, he, he just, like, loves mixed martial arts. He, he's a student of the game in the, in the sense that, like, he's always trying to learn more and more and more, trying to get better and better and better. He never settles. And that's been, like, day one. He's never settled. Um, and then now with all the experience that I have, I feel like he kept a lot of young people, especially a lot of young hungry fighters that were just starting out or in the middle of their careers or just making their boom. Like he's always had young fighters around him, which I think also helps keep him young. He kind of like, it's kind of like um, when I started, I, I was not that good, but going with somebody like Cub, uh, going with better people, I have to like get better quicker. 
And I feel like that's kind of what he's getting from these younger fighters. And so what did you feel like? I always like to talk guys about their development. Mm -hmm. What like strong areas do you feel you develop with him specifically before kind of where you are now? Um, I think that he built fighters, like first and foremost. He he didn't necessarily make us like just strikers or just jujitsu guys or I don't know, defensive guys or oh you guys always gotta attack or this and that. He he well for me personally, he let me shine. There was like every single coach besides Cub has told me to keep my hands up and for some reason or another, like my hands don't like to stay up. I think I, I like to keep them down, move my head a little bit more. He was a guy that really encouraged me to just build my own style. He encouraged my awkward timing. He encouraged like weird traits that each one, or not not weird, but unique traits that made each fighter themselves. And then he helped us boost that. Um, and then, uh, like I said, he made us fighters. So uh, he didn't necessarily just give us these techniques and say, you know, put them together. Like he told us why we need to know these these specific techniques or how to get up this way or um, why he was uh, showing us how to punch a certain way. Um, I remember just getting there and, like, practicing my, my right hand, my two, just to, to make it go in a straight line for, like, at least one, one straight week. Like, that was, my, that was my task. You know, he, he helped me develop that because he saw I maybe had a loopy kind of right hand. He knew that it would just be better for me, especially with my length. Um, get better at that technique, and he, he really encouraged that. Now, why did you end up um, going to another gym after him, or how did that, how did that take Girl, place? I, I stayed with True MMA. I stayed with Cub as long as I possibly could. Uh, once he moved to Orange County, we, uh, as in myself, Heber, my cousin Mark Doom, a couple of us from his gym at True MMA got invited to come to the training lab and start training here, where uh, TJ was at, Juan was at, Georgie, Karakanyan, uh, Arnold, Eddie Lopez, Sato Wad, we had Chito Vera coming in, we had Daryl Lynch coaching, we had Mark Munoz coaching. Uh, at one point, we had Marco Huas coaching. I mean, it was this, like, huge gym for us, true MMA guys, you know, that were, like, I mean, it was, like, the same little crew, eight of us, really, and then, like, new people that would come in, boom, 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 boom. So, like, to be at this big gym with all these big names training with these people, uh, it was this huge opportunity that I followed, and so we, we made the move to Orange County as well, and uh, we've just been out here since then, and he's been out here. He's got he's got his own gym, actually, uh, Cub. He's got the UFC gym in Costa Mesa. Uh, so check that out if you're in the area. So, we yeah, we made the move with him pretty much. So you're kind of – he's at another gym, and you're just – who are, like, the mainstays at your gym in particular? At my gym in particular? Uh Let's see. Well, I've been training a lot with Pac-Man, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Carly. He's fighting tomorrow night. Uh, I've, I'm kind of at a lot of gyms, so I get to train with, like, Cub here oh. and there. I get to train with um, TJ here and there. I was at the training lab for a while, so I was training with a lot of people from there. And then people from the training lab also moved to Classic Fight Team just to get more sparring partners. Um, it's kind of cool, actually, down here. We, we don't really... Um, like, I don't know. I think that I'm able to go to these gyms without any problems, right? I'm able to train at 10th Planet Mission Viejo. I'm able to train at Classic Fight Team. I'm able to train at Raw Talent Boxing, the training lab. I've been invited to, like, other gyms, and, and I've accepted. I've gone to them, and 
always welcoming. Everybody's super nice down here in Southern uh, California, actually. Um, but with the mainstays, the mainstays that I train with, uh, as far as MMA goes, we have two MMA classes usually at Classic. I'm there with Bailey. I'm there with Pac-Man. I'm there. I have my, my brother, Carlos Cordova. He just won a fight in Costa Rica. Um, and then, like, when people get fights, they start coming in, right? So I, I like to be at the gym 24-7 almost every single day. A lot of people just kind of, like, uh, come in for camps. But I don't know. It, it's, like, the one and only thing that I like to do is MMA. So I'm, I'm there every day. Yeah, it's kind of your gym, right? Or your – am I right about that? No, not my gym personally, no. It, Tyler Wombles owns that gym. Uh, we got Diego Pais as one of the coaches, also a big uh, Muay Thai fighter. Um, I know that he teaches class too. I'm, I'm, but, yeah, Tyler Wombles is gym, and I'm just happy to be welcome there. So, like, how much? How many hours a day are you training, you think? Uh, so, Tuesdays and Thursdays are my heaviest days, and I'm training about five hours. Uh, I'd wake up. I would do Muay Thai at Classic. I would do MMA at Classic. Uh, then there's a couple hours break before I go do – wrestling with kyle i want to say his name is shanae I, I, i'm sorry if i mis uh pronounced that but his name is kyle for sure coach kyle teaches wrestling at 10th planet and uh budo matt my coach over there as well at 10th planet mission viejo um budo matt's been like another huge huge help for me out here in orange county without him man i, I don't know like where i'd be where my game would be my life would be completely different without without him so like big shout out to 10th planet mission viejo uh, and Budo Matt specifically for taking me in. I've been training with him at 10th Planet Orange, 10th Planet Costa Mesa, and now at his own gym, which is 10th Planet Mission Viejo. So let's talk about kind of like your career. I know you had mentioned that you had just kind of fought in Combate. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can't say where you're going to fight next, but mm -hmm. maybe uh, how did you end up in Combate? Were you kind of pushing to get it, or did you have yeah, a man? Yeah, actually, super pushing for it. Um, so I met Tony, uh, the matchmaker. I usually talk to. Uh, I met him uh, at another fight with uh, one of my one of my friends from True MMA. He actually fought for Combate in in Mexicali. I believe this was his second fight for them, and he fought in Mexicali. I went out with there with him. Um, so I was there in the back with him. Uh, we were at the hotel together, and for some reason or another, I went down. I saw somebody at the bar. I went sat down next to them, had a good time, started talking to him. Turns out it was Tony. So I met him there, and uh, it wasn't maybe until a year and a half, maybe two years later, that I ended up fighting for Combate. But at least I made that contact, and I kept in touch. I always told him that, that I was always available. I would fight anybody, and, and that goes still. You know, I'll fight anybody at 135, at 125. I'll just, I'm down to fight, I told him. Just give me anybody that you want, and, and I'll say, yeah, let's go. Uh, so, yeah, I just kept bugging him on that, and I'm still bugging him with the same thing. But uh, I'm ready for that. So you have some, you have a fight, but maybe it's you don't want to say who it's with, but maybe it's not with Combate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. That's why. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to create any conflict. You know what I mean? I'm trying to fight. Yeah. I, I, honestly, like, I I know where my career. Speaking of my career, you know, I know where I'm at. You know, I've had 12 fights and my record six six. So it's just like perfectly balanced i don't like that i hate that i hate that I, I like to win to be honest i like to win i like to finish people and uh i just want to get back to that i i really do i really really want to get back to that i know that the only thing missing you know is getting getting those wins and i feel like 
every single loss has taught me little by little, unfortunately, little by little, how to get better. But uh, I think I'm at the point where I, where I got that confidence that I was missing. What were some of the hard opponents you felt you had? Um, uh, well, there's this fight uh, that happened in L.A. with Albert, Albert Morales. He was an ex-UFC fighter. Um, that one happened, like, in a blur. And I want to say that it's because he hit me pretty hard or something at one point. But, like, the finishing sequence for that one is always so blurry to me that I feel like maybe I was I was actually hurt or kind of rocked. So I want to say, like, that fight felt weird. It it happened a little later than I wanted it to be. Um, but, yeah, like, he just came prepared. He, and, and it taught me a lot, too. Like, just looking at him and how he was looking at me in the fight, what was going on. As I was trying to move around, I just felt like, I don't know, it just kind of felt different. Like, I wasn't necessarily doing my thing, but I was, like, in, in, in like, I was doing what he wanted me to do at one point. Like, he, he wanted a leg kick, and I was like, cool, let's go for a leg kick battle. Let's see, let's see who stops leg kicking first, you know? And uh, I think I learned from, from that experience a lot, you know what I mean? That, that was a hard fight. Um, the Vinsky Cheryl fight, uh, right before that one, that was an LFA. Uh, I was really confident for that. I felt, like, really, really good. But after the very first kick that I threw, I broke my foot. I, I didn't know at the time. I think adrenaline is just, you know, going. I just knew something was wrong with my leg, and I couldn't really put any weight on it. But I don't know. I, I just kept going on. I, I didn't think that my foot was broken or anything like that. Um, so I fought on for, like, two and a half rounds uh, until I got finished with that. But uh, or, or until I got finished. But um, so that, that one was just hard because I, I felt like I didn't know what was going on. But then again, like, because I, I wasn't sure what was going on, it, it's, it's not necessarily like I felt skill-wise I, I was anywhere, like, uh, missing anything, you know? He, he got me on the ground, that, and I'm still working on the ground game. Um, but, yeah, if we go just through my last, like, five losses, like, I think uh, I'm able to determine, like, exactly what was going on in those moments. And, and so, like, those, those two, then after that, I, I fought for Cage Fury, actually, in a fight that I felt super good, but... In the back of my head, I remember thinking, like, I just don't want to get a uh, rear naked choke. I just lost twice by RNC. And I was like, I know I'm good at defending RNCs. I'm at the gym defending RNCs all the time. You know, it's just, I just don't want that to happen. It was so in my head, like, don't let that happen. And I feel like that was the only thing in my head, like, don't let that happen. And then eventually, like, as we start grappling in my head again, I'm like, oh, don't get, don't get, uh, don't, don't, don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. And as soon as I feel like the attack, it was like I let it happen. It was like, oh, I gave up, like, uh, oh, oh, there it is. You know what I mean? Like I was waiting for it or something, you know? It, it, was, it was a big mistake of mine, but uh, I learned to never let that happen again. Um, I had to take, like, a forced break from COVID, but I also wanted to just kind of get myself to really understand all of those losses, which is kind of how I came up with all this. But uh, I really just wanted to understand what was going on, how to fix it, and especially, like, the, the mental part of it because it didn't feel like I – was again like missing skills like this guy was so much better than me at jujitsu or so much better at wrestling or grappling that i couldn't keep up and he got me it just felt like these little moments these little like uh yeah these little moments where like my my fight iq fails like i'm not i don't know my focus isn't necessarily in what it needs to be it's it's focused on the wrong thing i mean what kind of feed i mean i'm sure you talk to your coaches what what did they try to you know, 
Or maybe what's so looking back on it after you've had like some, some uh, prevalent for sure. I mean, we, we, we all know like, uh, I get taken down and then sometimes it's hard for me to get up or, I, or I've, I've been subbed, you know? So it's all, it's all been in like in the grappling game. So when we look at it, we, we really try to work on, on grappling. I try to roll with all the best people that I can. And like I said, again, I, I think that I do pretty well. There's just something in the fight where I think I, I like lose focus. I, I don't think we've gone specifically over it. Um, like, as far as the focus, I think that the only way to, to really eliminate it is to rep it out. Make make every correct, uh, or like have the correct solution every time, but rep that correct solution out until it becomes second nature, until it's just natural, you know what I mean? Um, so I got a lot of training again after this last one. I've got a lot of training again with Mark Munoz, uh, who, I mean, he, he's, he's a wizard with wrestling anything that you ask him he has an answer for it jujitsu to grappling any anything anything that you ask mark munoz he's got an answer and if you challenge him or anything get ready for the competition in your life for real so so you think that that's kind of been more of an emphasis because you you've had some defeats on the ground just not to get there at all yeah yeah um so a lot of grappling with mark munoz uh, i work with that i work with my my homie rich Ariola, richard Ariola at hybrid hq another wrestler and and he goes by well i mean his uh his gym it's hybrid H hq because he combines wrestling and jujitsu which is obviously what we mma fighters try to do as well um i've been working also with kyle there at 10th planet mission viejo and my jujitsu coach budo matt always um, honestly, I feel I feel a lot better. I actually got to roll with Cub Swanson uh, a little earlier during the last week, and uh, it felt good to like compare myself to like who I was when you know when I started jujitsu and where I'm at now. Actually, it was a good little marker. So maybe you kind of got your experience by fighting early and kind of just continuing to fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my in my amateur career actually, uh, I went three and zero. I I got a TKO, a KO, and then another TKO. So uh, oh, but I kept breaking something. I kept breaking like I, I broke my ulna, and then in the knockout I broke something in this hand. I don't remember if it was this one or this one. And then in my third fight, I broke. Uh, I think that was the knuckle. So if you look at my knuckles, my middle knuckle. This one is a lot flatter than this one. That mm -hmm. one got kind of sunk back. But after that, Cub was just like, you know what? You might as well get paid at this point. I mean, you're, you're breaking your arm, your hands, your something, you know. So might as well get paid. And, and yeah. Uh, I mean, I was doing well. I, I was 6-1 and one before, before this last losing streak. You know, it was all working out. But, yeah, I think that my grappling um, – needed more reps i think that i need more more reps i think i need more training i just i just need more uh repetitions more than anything more training partners willing to to be in there in the gym and go hard you know go as hard as you possibly can for like two hours that's what i want i want i want to get like that wrestling grind you know just like these wrestlers get now how hard was it to go through that um i have pretty good cardio but Damn, man, like, after 10 seconds of grappling, it feels like, like you just sprinted, you know? It's nothing like running even 10 miles, you know? At, at this point, running six miles sounds easier than one hour of wrestling practice. Even just being in my stance, man, I'm 33 at this point. My lower back can't handle that. Like, are you serious? Being, being in that bent stance forever? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's like, 
I like that though, right? Like I like that it's a challenge. If it's not a challenge, then like I probably won't even try to pursue it. But I want to be challenged. I want people to try to make me feel like I'm drowning in training so that I don't feel that, or it's or it's not like unfamiliar when, once I'm in the fight. You know, if I feel like I'm drowning in the fight, that's fine, bro. I already know because I was drowning in practice like every single day. Somebody was trying to kill me. That's what I want to be like. That's the confidence I'm looking to take in there. Yeah, and especially at like the UFC events or even one, there's a lot of these guys just. You know, they're outstanding wrestlers from these, you know, Russian yeah. areas. Yo, is one championship fast-forwarded? It always feels like the guys in one championship are always so fast, you know? They've yeah. got all, all these crazy slick moves with their grappling. I'd love to fight for them, too, because, I mean, they, they allow strikes on the ground, too, so maybe the action keeps flowing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's just that when we're talking about, like, the wrestling, the grappling, all that, the... I think now today it's even harder because these guys, like I said, these guys that are coming in from, you know, Dagestan, Indiana, these other places, there. Yeah. They're they're better than the wrestlers of the old years. Those were good wrestlers, but these guys are really good on the ground. Speaking yeah. of, I, I can see that actually some of the homies joined up, but there's yeah. there's amateurs that come in now that are like such better wrestlers. Like they've been wrestling longer than I've been training. You know. Uh, I had, I have still, I see uh, Cash Cash Money, Cash Garoga. He comes in a lot. He's a pro MMA fighter now. He was the king of the cage, flyweight champ for a little bit. Um, but he's like one of the most decorated wrestlers. We got Ian, who's an amateur. We had Trey Leon, who I think hasn't even had a fight. But he was like taking anybody he wanted down at will, you know. He's one of the strongest people I ever felt. Like, And these guys are amateurs. Again, like one of them hasn't even had a fight. I've had 12 pro fights. This guy's still taking me down. Like, it, it's a different game. You know, it's a different level, especially, like, down here. I like that, that I think uh, Southern, like, California, Orange County has kind of become this, like, little MMA mecca. Like, you used to have big gyms like uh, Jackson Wink and all these little areas, you know what I mean? New Mexico was a big area. But I think that we've kind of built uh, a little name out here. we got a lot of people down here now. Well, California's always had, you know, even in the 90s, they were, California was pretty important as far as the sport's existence. Thanks to, like, fights in Tijuana, too. Yeah, but a <laughs> lot of them coming out of Huntington and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Huntington Beach bad boy. Guys, you know, all these guys, there were a lot of events in California, even when the UFC was kind of in the dark, dark days. So I think uh, California has always been pretty important. Yeah, yeah, yeah relative to the sport. I just think it attracts a lot of different kind of people, kind of like Florida. You know, Florida's booming now, too. Yeah, Florida's been popping, for sure. Like the, the Hollywood-type thing, you know, people go to the, the coasts, you know. And, uh, yeah, I think that they're always going to boom to some extent. Okay. Yeah, I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm happy to get, like to be a part of even that, you know, we, we get fighters from all over the world coming to train with us. I just rolled with the guy from Guatemala. You know, I got a homie. I, I, I had to stay at my house from Costa Rica. I love the camaraderie. I love it. Now, are you, how far is San Diego from you? Uh, so I'm in Santa Ana area. So like Orange County, it's about an hour and a half at the very most, like, yeah, if you if you get a lot of traffic, it it could be two. But 
I'm thinking like 115, 130, you know? Yeah, because there's a lot of guys down there too. Do you ever go down there? Not not for training yet. I have a homie that, that trains out there. He used to be at Alliance, and now he's, he's more of a Muay Thai fighter. He's like at the boxing club, Shadow Brian Tyler. Uh, but uh, we got we got friends here from Orange County that actually go fight in San Diego, like Ian uh, Ian Miller, Juice MMA. He he's he's been fighting out there. I cornered him. I got the opportunity to do that, and see a lot of other fighters from out there. Yeah, I mean you should check out Barrett Yoshida. I've known him since I was probably what what gym is that? Huh? What which Barrett gym? is at uh, the arena, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, Chris Lieben, you know, was another guy who was with him because Chris was out oh, in the okay. light I've seen Chris so, Lieben refing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Chris opened a gym too. So, but Barrett's a guy I think you might you might enjoy training with. You know, I he's, mind, a, yeah. he's incredibly unique, man, and just a different kind of guy. He's always been, you know, when. <clears throat> When jujitsu was kind of first starting to take hold on Oahu, you know, yet Barrett was like the well, yet Egan Inouye, and Barrett, they were kind of like the top guys on Oahu, and then you had BJ Penn on the Big Island, you okay. know. And Barrett and BJ kind of had, you know, their their thing going. It was like a rivalry. Well, Barrett d- didn't beat BJ, I don't believe, but uh, yeah, they were kind of like one and two. All right. Uh, All right. Yeah. So. Of that now, kind he, of that. now he's out in San Diego, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. He's been out there a long time. But, yeah, uh, I'll have to look him up. Sure. He's kind of developed that crucifix game. I don't know if you've watched him too much. but Mm-mm. Yeah, he wins like just tons of matches with the cruci- different crucifix chokes and stuff. He's kind of developed all the hammer and the crucifix. And, you know, in the gi and without the gi. So you should check him out sometime. <laughs> I will. Sure. Definitely will, man. And any any other references you can shoot my way, I'd love to. I'd love to for real. Yeah, because when I lived on Oahu, he was the kind of guy that was you know kind of known for tearing everybody out. You know, so. Thank you. Did you did you yourself start like covering the sport or maybe like looking into the sport like back then? Uh, I did some stuff like in the nineties, but not really anything serious. But I did some interviews with some different guys, and oh, yeah. I did. Some when I was like in my 20s and early 30s but uh yeah I did some interviews like I interviewed Dean Thomas and some other people like in the 90s you know like back then and uh I kind of just started doing this because one of my friends on Oahu was saying you know you used to do stuff like that you could probably why don't you just kind of talk to people and I'm like what for you know why do I want to do that (laughs) It's like it's just something to do. I mean, these other people are doing it, and they don't know anything. And <laughs> that's enough exactly. kind of the way. Yeah, true that. And I was, I was like, all right, whatever. I'll, you know, I'll do it and see how it I mean, goes. It, so, it sounds like you have like a lot of knowledge, you know, a lot of experience. Well, I mean, I, I, I've been around a lot of places. I would say so. It was more just kind of like geographical. I would say, you know, because I. I lived on Oahu where the sport was popular. I lived in Japan where the sport was popular. So I knew people. Japan, that's true. Yeah, I just knew people from living in these locations. So it was, you just run into people, just like you're saying in Orange County. You know, if you're around a place where there's a lot of people, it's it's not really a big community necessarily. It's everybody knows everybody. Heck yeah. So it's pretty easy to 
Was MMA like a, a popular thing? Like, could you walk up and say like, "Oh, I like MMA" out there in Japan at the time, and somebody would know what you were talking about? Uh, yeah. I mean, Pride was popular, and it was in the newspapers. Like, if you're on the train, the guys are reading newspaper that cool. There, there might be something on the back, or you know, they have magazines like Gong Kotogi magazine, and so I mean, most of the people knew, you know, about Pride and K1, but.、Uh, I think some of the smaller promotions they may not have known about, like you know, I I met Kid Yamamoto when I was、uh, probably twenty five, six, you know, and he wasn't. He was fighting in Shuto. A lot of people like in the Shuto world knew who he was already, but people in regular Japan didn't know who he was until he kind of started fighting in the K one shows. You know, and stuff like that, and that's when he kind of got really famous. But before then, there were guys like in the underground or in Shuto. These, they knew that he was dangerous. You know, and、uh, yeah, but rich person would have had no clue who he was. And were you able to attend these places live? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you go to in Japan, they kind of have you have your big arenas like Tokyo Dome. You got a Yokohama, they have an arena there where Pride would do events, but the main one where a lot of the events happen is Karakuen Hall.、And、Karakuen Hall is a little, little arena. I think it holds maybe three thousand people. It kind of looks like a high school gymnasium, sort of. Yeah, find some of those dome, and then right around the corner from Tokyo Dome is Karakuen Hall. You could walk by it and have no idea it it was there. You could pass it a hundred times and have no idea. <laughs> But at night, they usually have an event almost several times a week. Cause oh, damn! Shooto will run in there. Pancrase runs in there. Shoot boxing runs in there. All these other organizations they run in there. Plus the pro wrestling events run in there. So it's always busy. There's people always there. And、yeah. like the that attend events at Karakuen Hall, like I was telling you about, like Kid Yamamoto or Ensign. I went to events with those guys, and people wouldn't approach them at those oh, events. Oh wow! <laughs> you went to if you went to Pride with Anson or something like that, he、yeah. would get swarmed by people. So it was almost like the entertainment fans go、yeah. to Pride, the hardcores go to Shuto and stuff like. Because there's fighters all over the place at Shuto. They'll they're sitting in the stands with everybody else.、Hey. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's just like a high school gymnasium type feel to it. You know. You're kind of right down on the ring. You can hear everything. Oh, I love、know. that. I've always talked about that. That's like my favorite aspect of watching fights live is being able to hear it. So when when shows、uh, for the UFC moved to the Apex, I actually thought they were better. Right, right, and you know that's a good point you make. It's it's very similar in that you you hear like every crack, every kick, every yeah, everything. You can hear everything, and that's kind of how it is in Rockland Hall because the fans don't. Japanese fans aren't allowed to begin with, but、yeah. small arenas you can hear everything. You can hear the cornermen, you know. Everything. <laughs> yeah, it's very similar to the Apex. So that that's a good point you brought up because it、okay. it was a lot like that. You could hear the corner, you could hear the announcers, the fighters could hear the announcers. Yeah, you know? that that actually tripped me out.、Um, in my last two fights, they were at Univision Studios、uh, for Combate Global. And I could hear the Spanish commentators, you know, almost for through throughout the whole thing. And at times, like I would even hear them over my coaches, you know, because they、yeah. they always have to be talking. 
and they're talking about you, which is kind of your game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember specifically there was an overhand, and so like I like to fight with my hands down. I roll a lot of punches, like they they hit, but you know what I mean. Like they're not damaging. I'm rolling out, and so they made a sound like a slap. And I remember the commentators to my right saying like, "Oh, he got hurt by that one," and I was just like, "No, nah, come on." Uh uh-uh. uh, I could I could tell I hear I heard you. Uh uh-uh. uh, <laughs> that was, that was a cool moment actually. I liked fighting in that little uh, studio actually. I love crowds and I I fought at home so I've had like a bunch of people that I know see me fight. I fought you know out of town. I fought in Miami in the studio. I fought in a lot of different areas, arenas and stuff. But I think that as a fighter, the the studio was cool just because you could hear your coaches loud and clear. You could just focus on the fight. Um, and you just take all that away. Obviously, the crowd gives you energy. The crowd like pumps you up, especially if you're in a bad spot. I remember thinking like, my mom can't see me right now under this guy. You know what I mean? I got I got to pop up. Uh, so like maybe that that aids. But yeah, I, I really like the studio feel. Yeah, we used to have a, you know kind of joke around when people would come. They didn't know where Crockland Hall was, but it's kind of true. Like when you get to this pseudo station. Because most people ride the train, you're gonna start to see more people with damaged ears on the train. Oh. So we would say, just follow, follow Those that. Those guys ear. know where to go. No, just follow the ear. Don't even follow the guy. Just <laughs> the ear, and it'll lead you to the yeah. Because that's where they're usually going. Yeah. So. Oh my god, that reminds me of like jujitsu yeah. tournaments, like uh, in high schools. You know, high schools are so big nowadays. I'll be in the parking lot and just be looking around for the colorful shorts guys or the colorful rash guards, you know, something like that, something that'll give them out. Oh, the guy with the rainbow hair, that guy's for sure rolling with somebody. Yeah. You should go to Japan sometime. Yeah. It, oh, it's man, a good... I would love to. I would love yeah. to. It's, it's not as necessarily as big now because right, Japan, you know, had some pretty strict regulations. They weren't able to bring in a lot of foreign fighters during this whole time. Mm-hmm. But we're starting to do a lot of different um, stuff now. You know, S- Sakaki Bar was with Pride and obviously Ryzen now. Yeah. And they're kind of like three different kind of events. They have one that's kind of like a it's kind of like a feeder event to the real Ryzen. Then they have one that's kind of like a high end uh, experience. Like you go there. I think that ticket is like eight hundred nine hundred dollars whoa you sit at a table you have they get they, you eat good food you're right next to the, cage. the fights yeah and yeah go on? yeah it's only yeah. for like people that are wanting to spend that kind of money or wealthy people you know and uh so they have that event Ryzen has like these three different events that can all kind of feed into the regular Ryzen, so to speak but I think as the the COVID restrictions, whenever Japan decides to relax them, yeah. they can start more fighters and then maybe. Speaking of, I have another friend, uh, Spike Carlisle. He he's gonna be fighting for Ryzen pretty soon. I just saw that. That was his dream. Oh, I'm so happy for him. Big shout out. <laughs> yeah, so he he probably had to make a contact out there or something. It, it's doable. Like I said, mm-hmm. I had a friend Ryan Bow. He was fighting in Japan. You know, he was teaching English. He was fighting in Shuto. You know, he's an American guy, but he lived in Japan. And, uh, you know, I was in the military, but he, he was like one of the only foreigners 
that was living in Japan every day. And, you know, kind of, you know, he spoke Japanese, you know, he, so. That's a hard language. Yeah. But I mean, these things are doable if you ever want to fight out there. It's doable. It can be yeah. done for sure. It seems like something far off, but I think, that, you know, it was, it was definitely a special experience for guys back at that time. But I think it can be that way again, for sure. You know, and definitely yeah, like go out to Rapongi after these. So you'd see like if you were out there, you'd see all the guys that fought that night. Or, yeah, so it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that that's another one of my dreams too. I mean, I want to go to Japan. That's always been a dream. But if I could go to Japan to fight, that oh man, even better, even better. And then if I got to watch a fight and get fed, get out. Get out. Those three things right there would be just perfect. Yeah, there's a guy, uh, Manabu Takashima. You know, he was a, he's around Bob Shuto. And uh, he's on Facebook. You know, he speaks English pretty well. Uh, if you talk to him or... Uh, oh, I'd love to. Heck yeah. There, yeah, he might. You know, if you ever thought about fighting like in Shuto or something. I have a friend out there... Uh, I can connect you with. Uh, he, oh, man, Todd, you're, you're going to make my dreams come true, you're saying. He fights in deep, and he does a lot of uh, translation for different organizations because he speaks Portuguese, French, Japanese, and English. So he works for a lot of uh, promotions. I'll help him uh, with the Spanish. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's something doable. So, I'd, yeah, I'd be happy to connect you with those guys for sure. Thank you, man. Yeah, I really appreciate that, for real. And that's always been a dream. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I grew up, like, loving video games and anime, and then I got into fighting where, like, the other big organization was Japan. So, yeah, Japan's always been a country I've, I've certainly wanted to explore. So, you know, when you do get your next fight, you know, it'll be cool to see, see you announce it, so we'll see where it's at, who mm -hmm. you're fighting. I want to know. I want to know myself. <laughs> I want to know who I'm fighting. I know I, the date, uh, I certainly want to be there. Like, May 28th, especially the venue, the place where it would be, that that would be another one of those dreams come true. It's uh, I could have a lot of family from Mexico, like, attend that one personally, you know. It'll be on that side. So it, it would be such a sick event to be a part of. Yeah. It, you know, what? what is the scene in Mexico like now? So... I haven't trained in Mexico, but I do know a lot of people that are. I know some people in Mexicali, which is a, a city right across from Calexico. That's just kind of funny. Uh, Calexico, right across from Mexicali, um, that are training there. Um, I have a friend, and mostly just through through like Instagram that I made friends with them, but, the, but I saw him live. Edgar Chaitis, he was the 125 champ for Combate, and... Uh, he just got another win in Naciones. So he's doing well, but he trains at Entram, which is in Tijuana. <clears throat> and there's a lot, a lot, a lot of really good people in Entram. Uh, back when uh, Kay Hansen was training at, uh, for her camp, she's actually another mainstay uh, at Classic. <laughs> I forgot to mention it. I don't know why. But yeah, Kay Hansen, <clears throat> she, uh, we all got invited to go train at Entram. We, it, we didn't make it happen, but that would be something really cool to do because there's a lot of really good people over there. And then when I went with Elisa, my girl, to go fight in Rosarito for Fearless MMA when she had her first fight, 
I met uh, my friend Carlos from uh, Lobo Gym in Guadalajara. And so I, I know I know Guadalajara and Team Lobo Gym specifically has been popping. I mean, Alexa Grasso, I think, fights this weekend. Irene Aldana, along with, with her, has been in, uh, training at that gym and all the Grassos. I'd love to make my way out there, at least for like a camp or something. Now, kind of as we're winding down the interview, I kind of like to let people, if there's something we talked about or something you think is important or, you know, where people can talk about stuff like that. Um, if I could say anything, uh, I would say just just keep on, keep keep watching, keep watching. You know, I haven't given up, so don't give up on me. Um, I know, like, what, where I sit, I'm very comfortable with, like, where I'm at. But just wait, you know, just like me, stay up, baby, and, and we're going to go to the top. Stay with me. And where can people kind of follow you on what you're doing, like on social um, media? Yeah, that's actually a good point. Stay up, Carlos, obviously on Instagram, also on Twitter. I don't have a Facebook, so I don't know what to go on with that. Um, part of a Doom Squad MMA, so follow them on Instagram as well. And for my video career, which is kind of like what I try to do for money out here, Orange County, LA area, stay up videos, hit me up for all your video needs. Do you have an Instagram for stay up videos? Yeah, stay up videos. Okay. I'll have to check it out. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, man. Well, it was great talking to you. And like I said, maybe after we can catch up again, and I'm going to send you some stuff offline here. Yes, sir. Please, especially trying trying to make it out to Japan, man. I really appreciate yeah. your help. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for talking to me. Yeah, I'm glad that you started doing this, you know, because uh, even just for myself, it's a cool little outlet uh, to just kind of get you even, even more personal, like uh, not just for myself, but like I get to get that out and let other people know what's going on in my head, you know. So thanks for the opportunity. Everybody in my town, they all know your cousin, you know. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> The most she's like one of the more recognizable faces in, in the city, I guess, you know, because she's on the pay, pay her a visit after one of these wins. <laughs> yeah, that'll be great, man. You should come out. Yeah, for yes, sure. Sir. All right, man. It was great talking to you. It was great meeting you. And like I said, I'll, I'll get with you offline here in a moment. Cool, man. Thank you, Todd. Have a good one. You too. Good Take job. care. Right, so if you want to follow Carlos Puente or learn more about him, he's on Instagram at stayupcarlos. Uh, and uh, as always, if you want to follow me, my Instagram's at the underscore Todd underscore Atkins underscore show. And I would appreciate if you subscribe to my YouTube, which is Todd Atkins show. And I also have a TikTok under the same name if you uh, follow that stuff. Um, and uh, I got more interviews coming up and... Uh, Another episode of the MMA Conspiracy Hour as well, right around the corner. So check them out. Appreciate the support.